0: Okay, great. Luke chapter 1, let's start there. We're going to start with verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, who was of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Note that. They walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. Wow. But they had no child, no children, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while Zacharias was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias for your prayer is heard hallelujah and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John i want you to turn now to john uh, to luke excuse me luke chapter 3 just a few pages turn your your bible a few pages to luke chapter 3 starting there with verse 1 now in the fifth in the 15th year of the, re, of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Traconitai, traconitis excuse me. I'm like Moses, I can't talk, I need an Aaron up here. And Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, While Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He who has two coats or two tunics, let him give to him who has none and he who has food let him also do likewise then tax collectors came also to be baptized and said to him teacher what shall we do and john the baptist said to the tax collectors collect no more than what is appointed for you likewise the soldiers asked him saying and what shall we do and he said to them Do not intimidate anyone, or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. Now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered this, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat unto his barn. But the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by John the Baptist concerning Herodias, which was his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evil, which Herod had done, also added this, above all, and he shut John the Baptist up in prison. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Turn in your Bible a few more pages to Luke chapter 7. How many love the Word of God? Oh, I hope so, because you're going to get a belly full of it today. Luke chapter 7, let's go to verse number 18. Just ten more verses here, and then we will dive in. Then the disciples of John the Baptist reported to him concerning all these things, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we look for another? And that very hour, Jesus cured many of the infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind eyes he gave them sight. Jesus answered and said to them, go back and tell John the Baptist these things that you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? He asked a third time. A prophet? Yes. I say to you, Far more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Father, we thank you for your word. It is rich, it is powerful, and it is alive. I pray that what you have intended it to accomplish in the hearts and ears of those hearing today, God, let that be done without any distraction. We give you all praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on and say amen one more time. Well, the countdown to Christmas has begun. How many have already started your shopping? I asked this last night, but Is there anybody finished with your shopping? Sean, you're done? You're done before Thanksgiving. I can't wait to see what you got me. I'm just telling you, I'm so excited. I'm just giving him a hard time. Sean was such a blessing in this production. He's one of our shepherds, and really, I appreciate him so much. Anybody else, you're already done? Well, God bless you. Anybody not started yet? That's what I thought. My kind of people right there. Well, there's just 21 more days from today, 21 more days until we celebrate one of the greatest events in all history. It is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The countdown has begun. The countdown for us has begun, but did you know there was actually another countdown before our countdown started? Yes. The world had been waiting for a Savior for centuries. Hundreds of years had gone by. The promise and prophecy spoken but not fulfilled. The prophets had spoken of a a miracle birth. The Savior was to be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, And you ought to call his name Emmanuel. This was part of the miracle birth, the prophesied birth. It would be of a virgin. It would be in a place called Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old from everlasting even. But did you know there was actually another miracle birth that was prophesied? One to be born who would prepare the way for the Messiah. Isaiah 40 and verse 3 tells us of this prophecy, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I don't know how prepared you are for Christmas right now, but I'm hoping that this message will actually prepare you better for Christmas. You see, John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ. And in preparing the way for Christ, He prepared the way for Christmas. John the Baptist was not born of a virgin, but his birth was miraculous nonetheless. There are just three things that I want to drop into your spirit today concerning this other miracle birth the birth of the preparer, the birth of John the Baptist. I first of all think it would be good for us to look at mom and dad. You see, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, they say. And I think as we look at the parents of John the Baptist, we will get a better understanding maybe of just who John the Baptist was and why he was who he was. Did you all follow that? Sound like Dr. Seuss right there, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry about that. His dad's name was Zacharias, his mother's name was Elizabeth. The Bible tells us very clearly that Elizabeth was barren, in other words, she was not able to conceive and carry a child and bring a child to birth. And it also tells us they weren't as young as they used to be, right? It says they were getting up in age, getting up in years. It suggests to us that she was past her prime and maybe he was too. Really beyond the age of childbearing. But God, somebody say but God. (laughs) God has a way of, 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 of making a way, no matter what our situation looks like no matter if we think we're barren or not, no matter if we think we're past our prime or not, if God gets involved and God starts breathing on things and God starts touching things, all of a sudden the barren place becomes fertile and fruitful again. And the one who thought it was past the time, it's just now time. And it was just in time with God. God's perfect timing. Zacharias was a priest who ministered during the reign of Herod, says that he and his wife were blameless in the statutes and in the word of God. What a testimony. What a great, great testimony. Mom and dad know that someday somebody's going to speak about you. Someday someone's going to eulogize you unless we get caught up in the rapture and I'm all right with that and I believe that's going to happen. I'm going to live my day every day as though no funeral is necessary or needed for me because I'm going to go up with the rapture, the trumpet's going to sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise, and those of us that are alive and remain, we're going to rise with them and meet them in the air and we're going to, so we will be with the Lord forever, hallelujah. I'm going to live like that. But if God has another plan and I end up having a funeral, Somebody's going to eulogize me. Someone will eulogize you. What are they going to say about you? Are they going to say the things that have been said about John the Baptist's mom and dad? How good they were? It's all being documented, folks. Somebody is notating in their heart and in their mind. Just trust me on this. Zacharias, blameless. Elizabeth, blameless. Elizabeth had good Good blood flowing through her, too, right? Says she was of the daughters of Aaron. She already had priestly blood in her before she married Zacharias. I like also, I just noted a few things about mom and dad. I noticed that the announcement came, the the, the miraculous announcement to dad came in the temple. Yeah. Says he was a priest during the time of Herod, and his, his time to minister. I guess they had a rotation, see? And it, came, it fell his lot and his time to minister and to burn the incense in the temple. And Zacharias was serving the Lord and ministering to the Lord and to the people in God's house. I believe that Zacharias was in the right place at the right time. And i tell you what, folks. We need to get to the house of God. You want a word from God? You want God to speak a miraculous word to you? Get to God's house. Uh, Right here, look what God just spoke. I had no intention of praying for our young ladies. I had no intention. He didn't speak to me as I was praying up in my my office earlier this morning. He didn't speak to me as I was preparing earlier than that. Just in the moment. God spoke a miraculous word. Where did it happen? Right here in the temple, right here in the sanctuary, right here in the house of God. I'm still a proponent and a fan of coming to the house of God and gathering in the the place of worship. Gabriel, the angel, came to Zacharias while while he was serving God in the house of God. God meets us in the right place, amen? And God meets us while we're doing the right thing. You need to understand this. If you're doing the right thing, God will meet you. God will meet you. He was serving God, thinking about God. He was thinking about the people who would be coming to the house of God. He was serving Folks, you never go wrong serving. You'll just never go wrong serving. Thinking about somebody else, first of all, it just kind of dwarfs maybe your own situation. Sometimes we become so all consumed with our situation. The best remedy for that is start serving somebody else. Just start helping somebody else. You'll find out real quick your situation really isn't as, as bleak as you thought. It's not as grim as you might have, have, have thought in your mind. Serve the Lord. Get in the right place. Do the right thing. And I believe you're ready and, and prepared for a miraculous word from God. God meets us while we're serving. I wrote this down, and you might want to as well. Satan meets us while, when we're idle. Uh-huh. Somebody say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This isn't in the Bible, but it, you know, it, it's well known, and a, a very common phrase, an idle mind, is the devil's workshop. Anybody ever heard that? You let your mind start wandering. You're, you're just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about your own situation. All at once, the enemy starts working in your mind. We just renewed our minds, and we're going to keep them renewed by by the blood of Jesus and in the name of Jesus. Every day we're going to renew our minds. But when your mind starts, starts drifting off, that's when the enemy can come in and start planting these seeds in your head. Thoughts of negativity toward others. Thoughts of negativity toward those who love you and are trying to feed you and serve you. Do you know how much it hurts to have a sheep bite your hand when you're trying to feed them? Well, never mind. I guess I need to go on to my next point. Sheep can bite, and it hurts. All I was trying to do is feed, and you went and bit me. Now, I'm just talking about some other church, of course. It's just an illustration. I'm ble- no listen, I'm blessed to have one of the most incredible congregation of people I really am. I'm not trying to drive some point home here. I'm, I'm not at all. I'm not at all. I am blessed. I saw another thing about Dad. Zacharias, he was a, a godly man, but he was just as human as I am and just as human as you are. The Bible says that he was afraid. I love that the Lord just kind of lifted fear and anxiety off of us today. You don't need to go into this holiday season with fear and apprehension and anxiety and worry. I'm telling you what, somebody's blood pressure just evened off here in this room today. I'm just telling you, that's how powerful it is. You don't need that fear. You don't need that anxiety. You don't need that worry. But if you happen to be facing that and grappling with that, know that you're not alone, first of all. Other godly men and women have struggled with the same pressure and the same thoughts of fear and anxiety. Uh, Zacharias was fearful. We find this in Luke 1:12. And when Zacharias saw the angel Gabriel, he was troubled and, he, and fear fell upon him. Now, how many believe that if you saw an angel, you might be a little bit nervous and a little bit worried and a little bit fearful yourself? i love to see an angel. I tell you what, I've never seen one, but I'd love to see one someday. And I'll tell you something else I am going to see one someday. Ha ha ha! I know I'm going to see an angel someday. I'd like to see one before I get raptured and go to heaven. I'd love to see an angel while I'm here, and I know other people have. How many have seen an angel before? I thought so. There's, there's plenty in this room even that have seen angels. I'm, I'm not one of them. But if I did see an angel. Uh, <laughs> I think I'd be a little bit afraid, too. Uh, But the the angel, the Lord spoke through Gabriel, and he said, don't fear. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. You see, but if we don't take care of the fear, you got to hear this before I move on to the next point. If you don't take care of the fear, the fear will morph and turn into something else. Your fear, if it's not dealt with, will turn to unbelief. Unbelief is very, very dangerous. That gets us off track. Then we start making our own decisions and we start changing laws and and doing whatever we want. And it's a mess. Just a little bit of doubt can morph into something monstrous, really. And it did have its consequences even for Zacharias. His fear led to doubt. The doubt led to unbelief. And the father of the voice lost his voice due to his unbelief. He said, well, how am I even going to know this is real, right? How am I going to know this is so? Daniel angel said, well, how about this? You'll be mute until the baby comes that good enough for you? You ask. Can you just see this? You ask. You'll just, you won't have a voice until the baby arrives. Wow. Be very careful, folks. Get your fear to the altar. Get your fear to God. Because that fear can morph into something that is very, very dangerous. Doubt and unbelief. But sure enough, John the Baptist was born just as Gabriel had said he would be, just as the angel had promised, and the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. In fact, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. I believe I know when that happened. You see, Mary, the mother of Jesus, while she was carrying Jesus, She was cousins with Elizabeth, and she went over to visit with Elizabeth, and she actually ended up staying with her for a little while. But as soon as Mary, carrying Jesus, walks into the door and visits Elizabeth, who is also carrying John, immediately, boom, John jumps in her womb. Y'all remember this? John the Baptist, it says he leaps in his mother's womb, I believe, in that moment just at the very presence of Jesus, even though he wasn't even born yet. He was still hidden inside of his mother. That's how powerful the presence of Jesus is. His mother just walked in the room, and John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. I believe he was filled with the Holy Spirit at that time, but his mother, the Bible says, was also filled with the Holy Spirit at the very entrance of Jesus into the room. My God. That's just mom and dad. There's some more I want to talk about because I'm trying to prepare you for Christmas. Properly prepare you for Christmas this year. Just as John prepared the way, we see a glimpse of who he became because of his parents. I want us to look down closely. Get your magnifying glass out. Let's look closely at what he said. Let's examine the preaching of this preacher. This was a no-nonsense kind of preacher now. You kind of had to brace yourself in order to hear what John had to say. I don't care who you were. You had to have the tough skin on because he's going to let you have it. John came to prepare the way of the Lord. John's preaching was preparation. If you're taking notes, jot it down. Preparation was all for something else. It was all for someone else. Too many preachers make preaching about them. And they want to build up their kingdom, and they want to build up their ministry, and they want to sell their books, and they want to sell their things, and sell their wares, and somewhere along the line, Jesus is way back here in line. And it's all about their ability to speak, and their ability to, to preach, and their ability to wow an audience, and. Woo a crowd and draw a crowd. We need to remember that we are just preparing the way for people. Preparing the way for the Lord. To meet the people who will make the paths straight. Raise up the valleys and bring down the high places. It's not about me. Pastor David, it's not about you. You're an awesome man of God, but don't ever let it be about you. Don't ever let it be about you. It's about preparing the way. The pastors in this room, Pastor Jim and Pastor Jacket, Pastor Moses and many others that are called in this room, it is not about you. It's not about me. It's about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His message was preparation, preparing the way. Back to this text in Isaiah 40, verse number 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill shall be brought low, the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, the voice said, cry out, and he said, what shall I cry all flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field the grass withers the flower fades but the breath of the Lord blows upon it surely the people are grass the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our God stands forever hallelujah come on somebody give God praise today we are called to preach and prepare the way of the Lord all over my pulpit here. In order to prepare properly, hear me, he had to preach repentance. John's preaching was preparation. John's preaching was repentance. You know we kind of have a feel good gospel going on in the United States. Don't really want to talk about sin. Let's just talk about happiness. Anybody anybody feeling this and seeing this, you're you're there's it's it's spreading across the nation. Mega preachers Not wanting to offend anyone, trying to be politically correct. They'll sidestep doctrine in the, in the Word of God in order to pack the place out. Don't want to offend anyone. How many, how many understand that you can't get somebody found until they understand that they're lost? You just can't do that. You can't get someone forgiven until they understand there's something they need to be forgiven of. The Bible's very clear. We are a miserable people. And our righteousness, it's like filthy rags to God. In other words, you can't do right. You can't be right. Anything you strive to do in your own self, it still fails. I talked a little bit about our life of faith, our walk of faith. We accept the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus by faith. And as we do, then we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. John didn't pull any punches. He preached a message of repentance. In Luke 3.3, 3, it says here, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin, for the forgiveness of sin. Folks, we cannot live any way that we want to live and think God is going to smile on that or wink at that. Or we, He's called us to live a life of holiness. How many believe that if God calls us to live a life of holiness, it is a- actually something that can be attained? Do you believe it? Because if you don't believe it, then you'll never achieve it. If you don't believe it, you'll never receive it. You've got to see that and believe that. God called you to holiness so you can live holy. John boldly named sins and confronted evil. Didn't matter if it was a soldier or a tax collector. Didn't matter who it was. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, he's going to let them all have it. He even, let, he even let Herod have it. You're messing around with your brother's wife. Herodias, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. She's not even your wife. Let him have it. He just didn't care because he understood it wasn't about him. It was about preparing the way for someone mightier than he was. Another thing that John did, he pointed to Jesus as the sin bearer. He let everybody know Jesus was the one who could forgive you of your sins. I love these words that I found in John 1, 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He made it clear. Forgiveness is through the Lamb of God. He'll take away your sins. The sin of the whole world. John called Jesus the bridegroom in John 3.29. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. There was another thing that I noticed about John's preaching. He did it with gusto and matter-of-factly in your face. But he also tempered it with humility. I thought John was a humble preacher as well. And I think to be a good preacher of the gospel, you need to balance the fire and brimstone with humility. Again, always humbling yourself before Christ. I found this in Luke 3.16. They were asking John because he must have really been persuasive. He must have had some way with words. Lots of people following John. I mean, the Bible's clear. John had his own disciples. The disciples of John went to Jesus, right? He had people that they were going to follow him. In fact, They were wondering if he might even be the Messiah. So eloquent. Such a way with words. What a preacher. Maybe this is the one we've been waiting on. Look what John says in verse number 16 of Luke 3. John answered them and said, I baptize you with water. That's all. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps... I'm not even worthy to loosen. And he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. God, get us to a place where we just, we just recognize that what we do is so, so small and insignificant even. In comparison and contrast to what you are and what you do, I just baptize with water. He just deflected that and deferred that, and I can almost see him bowing. But there's one coming that's so much mightier, so much stronger, so much more powerful than I am. I can't even unloosen his his sandal straps. He'll baptize you, and you'll know you've been baptized. Because he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire and with power. When's the last time you've been baptized with the fire of the Holy Ghost? Plenty of churches don't even even want to reference God's Spirit as the Holy Ghost. But give me the Holy Ghost any day. I tell you, there's just something about the, the Holy Ghost and fire and power. We need to start preaching about the Holy Ghost some more. The fire that fell on the 120 in the upper room is the same fire that can fall on us in this room today. When is the last time you were baptized with fire? When's the last time you were baptized with the Holy Ghost? John's plain, no-nonsense preaching cost him his freedom, and ultimately it cost him his life. He warned the hearers of the judgment to come. He played no favorites, even rebuking Herod for his immorality. He was locked in prison. And the end of John the Baptist's story is, at least on earth, he was beheaded for the cause of Christ. Just one more thing that I want to leave with you today. It's the praise from Jesus that came for John the Baptist. John, from prison, asked a very surprising question. Luke seven nineteen. he sends two disciples to Jesus to ask this question. Are you the one or do we look for another? Remember, John's all along been preaching and declaring and and with force and conviction and all faith. This is the Lamb. He takes away the sins of the world. One is coming mightier than I. I mean, now here he's in jail. His life is on the line. His mind starts thinking. He's got a lot of time to think in jail and a little doubt creeps in on this man of god. I wonder maybe maybe I maybe I missed it. You ever ever feel like you missed it? Anybody ever feel like I missed God, I missed something? I have. He asked this question from prison with his life in jeopardy. You see depression could cause us to foolish questions. Foolish conclusions. Depression may lead us to doubt and unbelief, just as fear does. So will depression. Thanks be to God, He broke depression in this room today. Come on, somebody. Thanks be to God. Depression was lifted in this room. But I love the Lord's answer, back to John. When John was speaking his worst, Jesus was speaking his best about John. Isn't that just like our Lord? Look at verse number 22 of Luke seven. We're gonna close this up. Pastor Moses, I want you to come and push me a little. Jesus answered and said to the disciples of John, Go back and tell John the things that you've seen and you've heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. In other words, he said, the miracles that you're seeing prove my deity." They ask one question, Jesus answers a whole other way. You, You decide for yourself. You've seen what just happened. They go with a purpose and a focus. We're gonna ask Jesus what John asked us to ask him. Meanwhile, there's some hurting people that come to the miracle worker. So Jesus does what Jesus does. He starts laying hands and speaking words of life and liberty and healing and blind eyes start opening and deaf ears start hearing and and leprosy starts being healed and dead people start raising up to life again. You decide for yourself, he says. You go back and tell John what you've seen. But before they left, he talks to the crowd in verse number 28. I say to you, among those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Wow. That's some high praise right there. I mean, they they have been living on the Old Testament and the the prophecies from the prophets. Isaiah, Zephaniah, Haggai, and... says, there's none of them greater than this man. My thought on the first Sunday of December 2011, in preparing this message, I wanted to prepare you for Christmas. Which led me to the preparer of the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness the way of the Lord. You want to be properly prepared this Christmas? Hear the word that this preacher preached. You preach repentance. The first step in being properly prepared for Christmas is you repent of your sins. You ask God to forgive you of all wrong. We did this last night and the night before, and as I said earlier, Some, I think, around 30 people, their lives were changed. It can also happen in this room right now. Because the message from John the Baptist still goes forth today. I want you to bow your heads. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I, I need to ask God to forgive me of some things. I'm ready today to repent and get my heart right. If that's you, just stand right where you are. You need to repent and ask God's forgiveness. Stand all over this room. This is not a condemning message whatsoever. This is a message of love and hope, a message of forgiveness. Just ask him now, Father, forgive me. I confess my sin to you. I accept your righteousness by faith. And with your help, I will live the life that you've called me I want everybody to stand now. Oh. Hallelujah.
1: all that we need. Father, we run hard after you this morning. Father, we make a choice. We make a decision, God. We commit our lives to you afresh and anew this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to be born. Father, to give us salvation and freedom, God, and hope and a future. Father, once again we commit our lives to you. We lay our lives down at your feet. We lay our lives down holy to you this morning, God. And I pray. God, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, God, every day. A new and a fresh, God. Every single day of our lives, God, that we would, that you would reveal yourself to us, God. We give our hearts to you and our lives to you. Father, on this Christmas, God you would be involved, God, that you would be in our Christmas, God. Father, we ask you this today as we go on our way. We ask you this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.